friend. Thanks for checking out the Crosspoint Church podcast. It's our hope that these messages will encourage you to grow and thrive in your relationship with Christ. You can find more like this at thecrosspoint.com. I think God is not just concerned about what happens someday when you die. That's super important. But he cares about what's going on right now in our lives. When you get up in the morning, when you're eating your Cheerios or Frosted Flakes, God, God cares about your body and cares about your body and soul, your emotions. So I really believe this. We're in the book of Colossians, a letter that Paul wrote to believers, and we're wrapping up this series today. I've just super, I've been encouraged, I've been helped, hope that you have as well. We're going to be in chapter four. Love for you to just get your copy of God's Word and follow along. If you have it, we'll, we'll have the verses on the screen for some of you. Maybe you don't have your copy of God's Word. Well, Elizabeth Sherrill, a journalist, was sitting at her desk. She was looking out into her backyard when she saw something zigging and zagging, bobbing and weaving. And it, she was trying to figure out what it was doing. Was it, was it digging? Was it burrowing? And then she saw that familiar white stripe on its back. Oh, I know what that is. And then she noticed as it was running into things, running into a tree, didn't seem like it could figure out where it was going and she looked more closely. She stood up and peered out the window and noticed that the skunk had locked his head into a yogurt carton and it couldn't see. And so she's watching that and I think, poor thing, but that she couldn't concentrate on her work because she kept thinking about that skunk that was going to die of thirst and lost and blinded. And she thought, somebody needs to do something. So she thought, well, you know, I don't know what to do. That seems like a dangerous thing to do. I'm gonna call the experts. <laughs> So she called the experts, animal control, and said, there is a skunk in my backyard. He's got his head stuck in a carton. I don't know what to do. And she said, I thought about pulling the carton off, but then I thought about the spray. Is there a way I can do this without getting sprayed? And so the person on the other end of the line said, well, we can't come out today. Uh, we can't help you, but here's a couple of thoughts. One is that you please don't aggravate the skunk. Perhaps you might try throwing a blanket over it and, and then trying to pull it off at the same time and then run. And so she thought about that and said, well, um, what about when I get it off and what if the blanket comes off? They said, well, just stop, try to remain calm. So she hung up the phone and she thought about it a while and said, well, you know, I, I just can't, I can't take that risk. I, that just seems a, a little too risky for me and so 
So she sat there and started typing again and trying to get on with her work that day, but she just couldn't stop thinking about how that skunk was gonna be thirsty and gonna try to find his, his way back to his burrow, and, and she just couldn't concentrate, so she's like, I'm, I've got to do something. So she, she got up from her computer and ran down the little driveway back to where she had last seen the skunk, and there he was, and she, she reached down and, and grabbed the the carton on his head and started to pull and said that little guy was like digging in his claws and he was a strong little dude but it wouldn't come off and she kept pulling. This really happened guys, I'm not gonna trick you, it really happened. <laughs> Finally got the carton off and said there, it seemed like forever but for 10 seconds they just locked eyes and said that little guy was wiggling his nose and smelling and concentrating on her with his little beady eyes. And she thought, uh-oh, what's gonna happen? But she just stayed calm and looked at him and then he turned around and walked away, <laughs> scampered away. <laughs> Maybe three minutes from the time that she had hung up the phone, but she wrote this. I think this is telling. Said it was a timeless parable that had played itself out. Skunk was all those needs I hesitate to get involved in. Involvement takes time and I have deadlines to meet. I probably can't do anything anyway, I tell myself. Somebody else can handle it better. Besides, involvement can be ugly. Stench may rub off on you. And all these things, of course, may be true, but I've got a little yellow pencil holder on my desk to remind me that every now and then, God's answer to a need is me. That's the tough thing about opportunity when it knocks, is that all of us every day are bombarded by so-called opportunities. I mean, my inbox is full, probably like yours. Do something today. Help Ukraine today while before winter sets in. Send your money now. Help these pets, these children. And, and it, when you're moving fast in life, opportunity can feel like a bother. And you know, join this local meetup group. Uh, Clip this coupon and go to this restaurant. This sale ends today. All that, all that kind of motion in life we say, is this an opportunity or not? And it can be hard to understand when something is legitimately an opportunity. And when you should say something or not, like when you're dating and you think, I, we need to talk about the future here. We've been kind of, you know, doing this thing and you want to bring it up. You go, do I talk about it now? Do I talk about it later? Seems awkward right now bringing up that hurt that you experienced or that you caused a couple of weeks ago. You want to talk about it with your friend, but you, you know, is now the moment and you have this angst inside of you on whether or not you should do something. And and when it comes to sharing our faith, I think this is compounded. I think because we don't wanna be that guy, we don't wanna be that person 
that says something out of turn that offends people, and we don't want to be that person that feels like I'm trying to sell somebody something. All of us have been on the other end of feeling like we're a customer, like we're a project, like we're in the store, and they say, can I help you with something? No, I'm just looking. Two minutes later, can I help you? No, I'm just looking. And we don't want to be that person that, that, that as we're talking about Jesus, that we sort of feel like we're selling something. And, and those of you that are looking in on Christianity today, I just want to acknowledge that many times we don't get this right. I understand. I know, what it, I know I've been on the other side of somebody trying to tell me something that I really don't want to hear about. So I acknowledge that we don't get this right, but I hope you just walk along with us and hear why it's important for us as people of faith to share our faith, to talk about Jesus, because it's the best thing that's ever happened to us. And we believe that Jesus is life, and when he says, my words are spirit and they are life. We believe him. And so all these things have gotten in our soul and it's, made, it's not just made our life better, it's helped us suffer well. It's helped us cope when life doesn't make sense, when life does hurt. And so, it's in, so our faith is such a central part of our lives. So, but how do we talk about this? So Paul is our friend, Pastor Paul, this man who was radically changed, converted to Christianity from Judaism. He was a man who persecuted Christians and then turned to Christ. His life was radically changed. He writes to these believers in Colossae, this part of Asia Minor, be close to Turkey today. And he writes these words as he's closing out his letter to encourage them and to help them to know, hey, so as you're going through life, as you're walking among people who don't believe, who don't understand, what kind of way should you live? How should you talk about this? So he, we just learned last time about how to do this inside the home. So what should your faith look like with the people that you know in the closest way? So wives and husbands and children, how do you treat each other? So Pastor Josh was helping us, but now to those who don't understand, what do we do? And Paul, Paul says uh, this, he says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful, thankful, pray for us too, that God may open a door. Somebody say open a door. For our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise. So he goes from talking about himself, now he's gonna talk to me and you. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. We'll talk about that word in a minute. Make the most of every what? Opportunity. That's what we're talking about today, opportunity. So we'll pause there and just focus on verse five for a minute. Paul is going to tell us basically this, show before you talk. Don't talk first. Act. Uh, we've heard the mantra, your actions speak so loudly, I can't hear what you're saying. 
This is kind of the idea. Be wise in the way you act toward outside. So he's, he's not, this isn't a derogatory term. He's just talking about people outside the faith looking in saying, I don't know why you guys do what you do. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Why? Because none of us want to listen to somebody who doesn't do what they say they will do. Do you? I mean, let's take a real life example, well, sort of real life example from a few years ago, Kramer on Seinfeld. He's always got a great idea. Get rich quick. Uh, why using butter when you're getting a suntan is better than suntan lotion or some crazy thing like that but, and styling secrets, but nobody wants to really listen to Kramer, take him seriously. Or, or do you? I'm just curious. Are, are you, anybody's like, yes, Kramer, he's my guy, he's my man. Oh, I want to follow him. No, we don't. Because we go, man, he doesn't do what he says he will do. So Paul says, for you as a believer, I'm talking to believers here for a minute, show before you tell. How is it, what is your, what is, it, what is the way you act? How do you treat people? What is your home like? But then when you're among people who don't believe, what, what is it that they're seeing in your life? Why? Because how we conduct ourselves may bring or consider, a, a person may watch and may give us an open door, an opportunity to say something. And that is the best way, and we have, I could give you countless stories, but I'm just thinking of a couple this morning that as people of faith have been with people who are outside the faith, who didn't understand, and they're walking along and they're spending time with them. I'm thinking of one guy who said, you know, I was hanging out with this, one of the guys from the church, he was in his 20s, and we were hanging out one weekend, and I, and I just, I, I mentioned in him, I said, how is it that you seem to have this sense of purpose in your life. I said, man, it's Jesus. It's really, you know, talk about this. He says, you know, there's these moments when I just get wasted on a Friday night and, I, and, I'm, and I'll, I'll, I can't go to sleep and I'm lying there and I'm thinking, this just feels really futile. Like I get wasted on Friday night and then, you know, I have a a day to recuperate from that, and then I get up on Monday morning, and then I'd live for the weekend again. It just feels so purposeless. How do you do that? How, do, how does your life have purpose? And he shared with him about how Jesus had given his life purpose. That young man got saved. He's in the church today, married with kids, and he's serving on one of our teams. How did that begin? It began with somebody acting in such a way that it caused him to ask questions. I'm thinking of another guy who said, I, I, this just happened not long ago. He was watching the news and watching the world and seeing the world around him. It just says, man, how is it you have peace? It seems like you're peaceful on the inside. I said, it's Jesus. He gives me peace and, and I, yeah, I get troubled about the world, but it doesn't rock my world. What, what happened? He saw something in the way this guy was acting and said, I, I want to understand that. I want to know that. Well, he saw that, talked to me about Jesus, and he came to faith and, and got baptized. 
But what came first? The actions. Show before you talk. Show wisdom before you talk wisdom. Did you see that? Be wise. What does that mean? Well, I think at, at the smallest level, I think it means that we say we're wrong when we are wrong. That we are quick to say, oh man, that was bad, I'm sorry. That we don't act like we've got it all together, that we're quick to say, man, I, yeah, I'm still learning. I, you know, Jesus is still working on me, man. Have patience with me. This, I, the, the people that try to act like, no, I got it all together, we don't believe you. <laughs> You're like Kramer. Come on, fess up. Do what you say you will do. And, and, but I'm so glad he doesn't say, live perfectly, act perfectly, be perfect, not in this context. He doesn't say that. He says, be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders so that it, it means something like when you pray in a restaurant or you ask the server, can I pray with you, which I've done that, that you leave a generous tip, not a tract, tip, T-I-P. Why? Because we're making the most of opportunity. And the thing is about opportunity, it doesn't look like opportunity. It looks like a skunk with his head locked in a box. So we, we're, we walk wisely as a person who has received grace. We walk and talk in a way that outsiders want to know, how do you do that? Not like we're in a holy huddle talking our lingo, and nobody else understands what we're talking about. Ever been in one of those conversations where it's like everybody knows except you? That happened, that happened, that's happened to me several times when somebody's, one of, some of these guys talking about a movie I've never seen. It seems like every guy in the world has seen Dumb and Dumber. And so they'll say those lines. They said, so what are my chances? One in a million. So you're saying I have a chance. And, and everybody laughs. Isn't that awesome? I go, I've never seen it. Not going to see it. And guys will look at me like, what? You haven't seen Dumb and Dumber? No. And I'm not going to see it. Get over it. But, but that feeling of, or like when I, was, I came to St. Louis, I came from Louisiana, and somebody started talking about hockey. I'd never even heard the word hockey in Louisiana. The only time I heard it was when we were talking about cow patties. That was the only kind of hockey I knew about. And so then I go to a game and somebody's trying to sit there and explain it to me and talk about icing and high sticking and penalty box and lip lettuce and it's like, what does that mean? I, I don't understand. And I'm trying to act like I know what's, what's going on. Yeah, okay. A bunch of guys. And then they fight. And I'm thinking, what? A, they're fighting. Take them out of the game. They said, no, that's part of it. 
Yeah, I'm thinking, I paid a ticket to come and see guys fight? Yeah, that's what we're supposed to do. And, and Paul imagines a church, believers, not getting in a holy huddle in their Bible studies and talking about things that no one else ever understands. And when someone asks a question and say, you know, why, why, why is the world so troubled? This, well, in the last days, you know, there's going to be, men will be lovers of their own selves. It's like, what are you talking about? People who don't know they need forgiveness. And we're trying to say, well, Jesus died for you so you can have forgiveness. Well, I, I don't know why I need forgiveness. Why did Jesus die? What is grace? What is a cross? And so he's going to say, be wise in the way you act, but not only that. Say something when the opportunity is there. Let your conversation, verse 6, let your what? Conversation. Talk. Be always full of what? Grace. Seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. There's this quote that goes around. I hear it so much. I've even quoted it in the past. Preach the gospel everywhere. Use words if necessary. One problem. Francis didn't say that. You can't even find any historical record where it says, so it's one of those things that just gets passed around on the web. It says, oh yeah, Francis said this, preach the gospel everywhere, use words if necessary. He didn't say it, number one. Number two, it doesn't make sense. How do you talk about gospel as good news? So how do people know good news when you don't talk about it? Imagine you had a neighbor with a rare illness and you knew the cure, but you just said, well, I don't want to say anything because, you know, they've got the web just like I do and they can research it. You wouldn't do that. Or what, what good husband, what good guy who would say, you know, well, you, you know, I, I show my wife that I love her, and I, but I never use words only if necessary. How's that working for you? You can give to people, you can give to charity, you can do nice things, you can mow your neighbor's lawn. And hopefully the life you live will cause somebody to ask questions, but when they do, say something. Listen and say something. And what, what do we say? That's, that's the question. Well, first of all, grace. Be gracious, one translation says. Say it, let your conversation be full of what? Grace. Seasoned with salt, why? Because nobody likes to taste a lot of salt in their food. Well, I'll just speak for me. <laughs> it's like, a little dab will do you when, it, when you're eating ice cream. Salt is really good in ice cream, but it just takes a tiny, tiny bit. It takes a little more on roast beef. So the, the, the thing is that it need, some of us, what we say, well, but I'm an introvert, which I'm a modified introvert. I love people. 
But, you know, I just get, you know, I'm not, I'm not the best with a big party crowd. I'm like, come on, bring it up. That's not me. But sometimes I can excuse myself, or maybe you do as well. Say, well, I'm not that person. I'm not, I'm, I'm an introvert. Well, that's okay. There are other introverts that need Jesus. And you may have just the, the magic of just knowing how much salt to put out there so that it's flavored, but it's not overwhelming. Let your conversation be always full of, not salt, full of grace, seasoned with salt. Why? Because we want to show it first so they, they can ask questions. And why should we be full of grace? Because that's what God did to us. We serve a missionary God. A God who came out of heaven, who went outside to bring outsiders inside. God saw us not like skunks with our head in a box, but like lambs who could not find our way home. But he loved us so much, he said, I'm going to put myself in the world so that I can show them I get it. I understand. This is what we celebrate at Christmas. Love incarnate. Grace incarnate. God entered our world. Why wouldn't we be people full of grace? Scott Saul says like this, this is a great quote. What is our basis for always being gracious? It is the fact that we too have been treated graciously. Because of the cross and resurrection of Jesus, our day of judgment has been moved from the future to the past. So that those of us who identify as Christians, what better reason could we have to be the most gracious, not to mention the least offended and least offensive people in the world? Gosh, we need to hear this. Some of us as Christians are so easily offended. And we're the mo we can be the most offensive people in the world. That's not the way people who have received grace act. So how do we do this? Can I, I'm a, I'm a learner, I'm still learning, God is helping me. I'm not one of those guys that can turn every conversation to Jesus like that and just feel like, man, how did he do that? That was awesome. And, so, and this person is feeling loved and accepted all at the same time and go, I don't know how you did that, but that was amazing. How you turned that conversation and then they ask a question and then you started talking about faith and they were like interested and listening. I'm not that person, but I have learned and I am learning how to answer each person. Did you see that word? Be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so you know how to answer everyone. Verse six. Every one. One to one. No, pastor, that's your job. Sorry, it's not. You. You as you're walking around, walk wisely, know how to let your conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so you know how to answer everyone. So, 
Here's some things I would just share with you as a fellow learner that first of all, in, in making most of an opportunity is to pray and watch. Verse two, devote yourselves to prayer being watchful. So that means this is not optional, my friends. If Jesus came out of heaven to reach lost people, don't you think he cares about how we're doing it? Don't you think he, he wants to help us? Isn't it true that Jesus said in, in John 6 and 44, no one comes to me unless the Father draws him. So we, we pray and watch, it's not optional. That doesn't mean like always on our knees and praying, but it means like in the, as we're walking into a restaurant, we know we're gonna sit down with somebody who doesn't know Jesus. I've done this, so I'm, I'm praying, I'm watching. I'm saying, Jesus, help me. Help me to be gracious. Help me to have just the right amount of salt. Something like that. It's just real quick. But I'm also continually praying and watching. Number two, make space for gospel conversation. This is super important, friends. Checkout lane at, at Schnooks might be an okay spot to say a couple things, but it's not really the place for gospel conversation. I happen to have talked to a lady in the cashier lane, just a couple of comments. She's in the church today not just a result of that one conversation, but I became a seed that led to something else, and now she's a part of our congregation. But you have to make space for that. So at work, for example, you're not getting paid to share your faith. Do your job, number one. Your, jo your boss is not paying you to be a witness. He's paying you to do a good job, okay? But it could be that you make space. So that means like somebody you've been talking to at work and then you say, hey, I'm, I'm just wondering if you'd be open to a coffee. I'd just love to hear your story. How did you come to St. Louis? You're from Louisiana? I just want to want to know about that. I want to tell you about hockey. <laughs> or you, better yet, hey, I'm having some friends over and we're going to have some, we're going to cook some dogs in the back, some bratwurst, and just, can you bring the kids over? We'll just sit out back. And then you invite somebody that's super good in those settings, and they can help ease the conversation. They're like a pro. But you're, but you're making space for gospel conversation so that you ask questions. Thirdly, listen and ask questions. Listen. So I was talking with one of my neighbors and he's saying, man, this world is just wacko. It's crazy. And so I didn't make a declarative statement then. I just said, yeah, man. So how are you dealing with that? And I just waited. Yeah, how's that working for you? Before I start saying the answer is Jesus, I wanna listen. Do you know that four out of 10 people said 
they would consider becoming a Christian if they felt like they were really heard. That is the major objection to Christianity and sharing faith is that people feel like we aren't listening. It's not rocket science. Just listen, ask questions before you say, before we say, I've got the answer, me, 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 me. No, just listen. Then at some point, you got the open door. So Paul says, pray that I have an open door. So God opens the door. And then you say something like, oh, I, well, I can't tell you how to do it, but I can tell you this. When I see the world's crazy, what gives me peace has been Jesus. And then if they look like, no, I don't want to, then you just, just let it lay there. Sow the seed. But they might ask another question. Or you might say, I'd love to tell you about that sometime, how Jesus has really helped me, continues to help me. Fourthly, focus on Jesus. So when the door opens, talk about Jesus. Jesus, man, people are attracted to him. Not religion, not church. Don't talk about politics. Don't talk about your conservative values. Might be a place for that, but right now, what, what do you talk about? Jesus, man, he's full of grace. People love him. I'm not, I don't wanna talk about generic God. Well, God's changed my life. What God? Tell me about Jesus. Talk about Jesus. What do you think about Jesus? So that may mean, hey, would you read this little gospel of John? We've got him at the doors of our church. It takes you like, less than two hours. Say, hey, could, would you read this and just tell me what you think about it? You're, you're trying to generate questions. Lastly, maybe you invite them in. Invite them in your house, invite them to church, invite them to Christmas services, invite them to fall, invite them to ev events where they don't feel like they're the outsider. And then at some point you get to say, this is, how, this is what Jesus has done in my life. I, be, I believe he is the way, the truth, and the life. I'd love to talk to you about that. If you're here in the room, let me just tell you real quickly why I'm a Christian. I'm not a Christian because I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor because I'm a Christian. It happens to be, be my calling, but I'm a Christian because Number one, for me personally, Jesus gave my, gives and gave my life meaning and purpose. Because I couldn't figure out, even as a child, it was like, why am I here? What, am I, what, what if I die tomorrow? What if my parents die? And I was just all this fear. And when I, when I gave my life to Christ, I had this sense of purpose. He delivered me from my fear. But secondly, what really changed my life was as I examined the facts, the historical facts about the resurrection. I could not and still cannot explain why Saul, who became Paul, who persecuted Christians, then became somebody who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. I can't explain that except to say Jesus was raised from the dead and talked to him. 
That's the only, why, do, why did all those guys who were scared out of their wits, hiding, then become these bold witnesses except to say Jesus must have been raised from the dead? And for me, that's, that's like, that's the hinge point. Jesus rose from the dead. I believe that. I've looked at it, looked at the history of it. There's no other explanation for the church and where it is today and why it even exists except to say, I believe Jesus rose from the dead. Now that's a Christian doctrine. You've got to decide whether you believe that or not. But my friend, if you're in the room, story after story, you will not find purpose until you meet him. There's like a, just like the, many people describe, there's like a hole in my heart. This emptiness, this, I can't really explain it. It's not always like sadness, it's just like futility. But Jesus, he took the yellow carton off my head. My eyes were open. That's why we say things like, I saw the light. Jesus is the light. And instead of running away, when he took the box off my head, he said, welcome, welcome home. And I found life in Jesus. I invite you to that savior. I want you to know you're welcome in this church, but more than that, I want you to see Jesus. I believe this is We've got a great thing going here. I want you to be part of our family, but more than that, I want you to be in God's family. So I give you Jesus, not religion, not my politics. I give you Jesus. Meet him. He's the way, the truth, and the life. I'd love for you to pray with me. If you're in the room, if you're watching, you don't know Jesus, you can make him your Lord right now. Just talked to a girl yesterday. She said, I didn't know Jesus at all, but I would see these guys on television talking about Jesus, and they would say, raise your hand if you want to believe. She said, I, I did that, and I kept doing that, and I didn't even know what I was doing, but years later, I realized that was Jesus pursuing me. So that can be you right now. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have extended grace to outsiders like me. You welcomed me home. And right now you're calling some people by name. Frank, Susan, Bart. Right now you're, you're saying, I know you, I've seen you all your life. And I have, I have the meaning that you need, the purpose you need, way for you to belong. And so Lord, we, right now, we, we present them to you and we pray, Jesus, call their name. Would you meet them right where they are in this room, those who are watching? You say, anybody who comes to me, I'm so glad you said that, anyone who comes to me, I will not turn them away. Doesn't matter our past, what we've experienced. So Lord, call them in Jesus' name. Now my friend, 
in your simple way, talk to him. If you're in this room, Jesus, I need you. I need a savior. I believe, I don't understand everything. And I believe you rose from the dead. Begin there, wherever that seed of faith is. Say it, even say it out loud or under your breath. Jesus, I believe. Don't understand, I I believe. Please help me, help my unbelief, help my doubt. And he hears you, promise you, he sees you, he wants to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now the next step for you, friend, is that you say yes. It begins privately, but then we go public. Not in a huge way. Some, you might be an introvert, extrovert, whatever. That's okay. But you go public. So say yes to the number that's on the screen. The best place to do this, if you like to dive in, is to go to Next Step Room that's right out through the doors to your left. There's, there'll be a pastor and a deacon and some other folks in there. Love to talk with you. What is your next step of faith? Because the objective is to follow Jesus. Not just to have a one-time decision, one and done, but you've, you follow him step by step. So they wanna help you. That's why we call it next step. What is your next step in Jesus? Amen. Thanks again for joining us. You can check out thecrosspoint.com for more resources like this. 